Okay, so anyway, onward. So the central message of Micah is present judgment. Okay, uh, Israel and Judah are about to fall. Israel's going to fall first to Assyria, then Judah's going to fall to Babylon. But then Micah takes them beyond that to the future, to the future blessing, to the second coming, the coming of the Messiah in, in uh, Micah chapter 5 and so forth. So, so as, as most prophets, except maybe Obadiah, Obadiah was, Edom was Edom, gone yeah. forever, but, but there is always some form of restoration and redemption later on. So the structure of the book, you have judgment declared in verses 1 through 3. And I think that's another reason why a lot of people like the Old Testament because there's so much judgment in it. Yeah. It's just yeah. so much judgment there. There is. There is. Yep. Blessing promised in chapters 4 and 5. And then exhortations to repentance in 6 and 7. Okay. So judgment declared, uh, 1 through 3. Can I say something? You sure can. I was talking to someone today, and what you just said made me think of something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a lot of judgment in the Old Testament, but I, uh, I've told people often and it was brought back to my attention today as I was having a conversation that um, we need to be in touch with how um, dirty our sin is. I I can't think of a better way to describe that or how messy it is, how bad it is. Um, Because you're never going to understand how great God's grace is if you don't understand how deeply you've offended the Lord. Um, And I think it's like... It's like if, uh, I was telling that individual, it's like if um, you know, someone came to my rescue and paid my debt that I owed uh, for my mortgage. You know, I would be like, okay, thanks, you know, great. You know, and, but if I start to really see the effects of me not paying my mortgage, they start taking my home, they start taking my furniture, and they start taking things away from me. They take my kids away because I can't take care of my kids anymore because I don't have a home, a roof over their head. And then someone steps in and says, hey, I'm gonna pay your whole debt. Um, so you can get back to living uh, life in a healthy way. I'm going to be much more grateful <laughs> for that person and what they did. So, yeah, well, it's like, it's like I don't. I was trying to find it right quick, but I, I just I remember it's in the Gospels. I don't I don't remember which one. I believe it was when the uh, when the, the the woman. I don't think it was the alabaster jar moment, but it was when the woman came in and cried tears over Jesus' feet and then wiped his feet with her hair yeah. and they rebuked her and then she said, you do not understand because for, she has been forgiven much. Right. Therefore, she loves much. Isn't that Simon, the you, Pharisee? It, it, yeah, you have been forgiven little, therefore you love little and that's kind of what you were saying. Right. You know, it, it, it's kind of like, it's like when somebody, when somebody comes to, to Christ later in life, some wretched, dirty, filthy sinner that has just gone further into the abyss Somebody else, when they are forgiven for all that, sometimes they're like really on fire yeah. for God because they realize just how much right. God has forgiven them. Yeah. And everybody should feel that way. Yeah. But it's just interesting that Jesus pointed that out. Just Absolutely, man. Yeah, that's great. So judgment declared one through three. So Jehovah's rod to inflict judgment was Assyria. Now by now, you, I mean, you've been through several of these prophecies. You know that the end, I mean, just, just whenever you think the, the prophecies in the, in the Old Testament, you've got the northern and southern kingdom and the prophets are all trying to come to preach to both of those nations and get them to do what? Repent, exactly. They, I mean, Israel's primary call was to be a kingdom of 
priest, yes. Yeah. Yeah. A holy nation, a kingdom of priests. Yeah. And they were not that. They stumbled into idolatry. Solomon yeah. you know, brought in the foreign wives, was brought in the foreign gods and so forth. Right. And so you have gross idolatry in both nations. And so the prophets come and the prophets, should, you, whenever you think prophet, think covenant enforcer. So a prophet comes and preaches out of the curses from Deuteronomy, if you do not, Israel, if you do not repent, Judah, if you do not repent, God has promised that this is gonna happen. I mean, you can see this in your own lives privately, and this is gonna happen to us as a nation corporately if you do not turn. And so what eventually happens is is that God calls Assyria to destroy Israel, then God calls Babylon to destroy the south. And, and, And if just an overarching view, that's pretty much what the prophets did. Uh, was was warned them about in, in upcoming destruction, and uh, and then the na- both nations came and destroyed them. So Jehovah's rod to inflict judgment was Assyria, and that's in chapter one, verse nine. Just go there. We'll just follow along the text. For her wound is incurable, and it has come to Judah. It has reached to the gate of my people to Jerusalem. So the wound, the wound is Assyria. That will, those that will come to destroy. <clears throat> Okay, so the names, then I don't know if you noticed this when you read through this, but the first couple times I read through this, I underlined every one of these cities because I, I was not, fam- I was familiar with a couple of them, but not all of them. And then what it says, what, what he told us was really neat. He said, the names of the places in verse 10 through 16 were all in the small area where Micah was reared. So he is prophesying against all of these small areas about the judgment that is coming. So if, if we had a prophet around here, they'd be telling us about Smyrna or who? I don't know, McMinnsville or oh, yeah, sure. all the different towns around here. So chapters two and three give the details of the coming judgment against the house of Israel. So chapters two and three. Uh, note Micah 2, 7, and 3, 1. That's just a representation of those two chapters. Uh, should this be said, O house of Jacob, has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to him who walks upright? In other words, you're going this way. You need to be going the good way. You're going the bad way. God is not going to bear with you forever in your sin. Judgment is going to come. Uh, talks about the false preachers that are, that are preaching that everything's okay. Disgrace will not overtake us. But God is about to do exactly what the false teachers are saying that he's not going to do. He's actually right. going to come destroy them. Yeah. That's good. <clears throat> so... Uh, then in chapter four, <clears throat> we have the, uh, the future kingdom, okay, the mountain of the Lord. Now, when you read that, if you read that chapter, I, we'll just, I'll just read it to you. We'll just read it right quick. Uh, go to chapter four. It shall come to pass in the latter days. So when you hear, see that term, latter days, what does that represent? Yeah, the end, the end times or, or the very end, Okay that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills. Is that what's happening now? No, that's not happening now. The, the temple mount right now, just who knows what's going on with the temple mount right now in Jerusalem? Yeah, it's a mosque built on top of it. Right, right. And everybody kind of shares access to power in certain parts of it. That's right. Right, right. So, so, Lynn, go ahead. I, 
I've been hearing that. I, I have not read anything on that, but I have been hearing that from people who follow a little bit more closely like current writings from the Middle East and things of that nature. Uh, I've been hearing bits and pieces of that, though, for 10, year, 10, 10 plus years I've been hearing that. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Probably so, though. Probably so. Um, so let's keep reading. And it shall be lifted up above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it, and many, how many nations? Many nations shall come. That's how you know this is the eschaton, because it won't just be Israel that's called. It'll be everybody that, that, that calls upon and loves Jesus and loves God. So come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide for strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. What does that mean? No more, no more battle, right? Peace around the earth. And their, hook, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not live sword against nation, neither shall they uh, war any more. Okay, so, so that's talking about a future kingdom that has not happened yet. So that's the future. Yeah. In chapter 5, okay, now we know about this chapter. What, what, what do we learn here that's, that's critical that we study every Christmas? The city where Jesus was born, yes. Which was where? Bethlehem, yes. This, this, is, the, this is the book, the prophecy that we get that from. Matthew 5, we see the future king in Matthew, uh, I mean, excuse me, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Uh, he, Dr. Stringfellow writes this, it is thrilling to know, I would agree with that, it's thrilling. Oh yeah, absolutely. It is thrilling to know that these Hebrew preachers from 25 centuries ago could be telling us today of things which are still to happen. And notice he uses could, that's a, that's a word of humility there, because we are interpreting an old book, 21st century America, interpreting an old book, so he puts could in there, but we're pretty certain that these are definitely future prophecies that have not been fulfilled. Yeah. Chapters 4 and 5 show that these things are still future and await the millennial era. So don't forget when we studied Ezekiel, it was one of the most confounding, most difficult things to interpret out of the book of Ezekiel. The millennial what? Temple. The millennial temple. Two, two basic ways to interpret that, right, Colton? One yes. is figuratively, meaning that yes. it's just figuratively of Christ, but the other one, which seems yeah. right at a, at a straight temple. reading of the text, yeah. is that it's literally going to be a temple that Christ reigns from during the millennium. It's so descriptive, it's hard to yes. think it's not literal. Right. So chapters 4 and 5 is talking about that time, okay? In Micah 4, 1, now this is where he gets specific, and some of this is a little bit, a little bit hard to follow, but, but it's, it, it, he's right. It's just a little bit difficult. If, if you don't study prophecy all the time, sometimes this is a little difficult to follow. In Micah 4, 1, note he says, in the last days. In verse 2, the nations other than Israel are to be a part of the Messianic kingdom. So that's how we know that it's, that it's beyond. But in Micah 4, 9... Chapter 4, verse 9, note the change from future tense to now, why do you cry aloud? Speaking of the time that Micah was, was living in at that time. Verse 10, now you shall go out. And verse 11, now many nations are against thee. 
Micah 5, 1, now he laid siege against us. So he was pointing all the way to the future in chapter 4, then he kind of comes back to the present, and he's talking about things that are in the, in the like immediate future, like maybe even within his lifetime, this, this incredible moment that's going to happen when Israel is destroyed and Judah is destroyed. So it's, it's he's, he's laying it on them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's laying it on them yeah. for sure. Micah 5, 3, he gives them up until... The coming of Christ, Micah 5, 2, is the remarkable prediction of the place of Christ's birth. Micah says this so plainly that when the Magi asked Herod where the king of the Jews should be born, the scribes gave a definite answer based on Micah chapter 5, verse 2. The fact that they could just whip that up now, I mean, you know, the, the, these Hebrew boys, I mean, they knew the scriptures like yeah. the back of their hands right. you know by the time they were 12 but but even the expectation you know and they they say they know historically in the intertestamental period that there was much expectation for the messiah to come i mean it was there were false messiahs rising well they, yeah well time. they even thought judas maccabus the maccabee that he that right. he may be the messiah because of the way he routed the greeks so many times but you know what they always did they always uh, rose up a revolt against rome Always. What did Jesus not do? He did not he rise, didn't up, a rise up a revolt. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right. And the centurion, right, comes to yes. him and he's, you know, he's got more faith than the, his disciples. Right, <laughs> so. right, right. So Matthew 2, 5, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And that ruler fulfills what promise in Scripture, Tony? Right. I mean, don't lose sight of that. I mean, I know, I know we kind of joke about that, but, but don't ever lose sight of that. Because every time that a shepherd is prophesied for my people Israel, every time a future leader is spoken of in Scripture about that, it points all the way back to who? King David, a man who was after God's own heart, who Nathan, the prophet, was given the, word, was given the word by God to give to, to David. Number one, the promise about Solomon building the temple, but also that there would be a ruler that would come from his own body, from David's own body, which is why Joseph, the, 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 uh, the husband of Mary, uh, was called Joseph of David, was of the house of David, because all that lineage had to work together because the Messiah would be of King David, from the body of King David. You know, I don't know why I, I, this connection's, uh, I'm making this connection in my mind, but Matthew 23, 37, uh, you know, Jesus, I, it makes more sense, I think, when you're reading this, and then you think about Jesus coming on the scene, and you see a passage like this in Matthew 23, 37, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Whew. I mean, here it is. He, and he is shepherding his people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he does tell his disciples that they will be witnesses uh, first in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. right? So he does shepherd his people, but yet there's still this lamenting over uh, this nation. That yeah. God's chosen. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible. God's chosen people, man. They, yeah. re they reject yeah. it. Yep. Okay. Uh, between the first half of 5-3, that's verse 5-3, chapter 5, verse 5-3, in the second half, this present age intervenes, which Micah 
could not foresee. So Micah doesn't tell us about the church age. He just tells us about the time he's in now and then the very, the very future. So the remainder of the chapter looks to the kingdom age, which is yet future. So from 5-4 from all the way to the end of the remnant you know, being delivered and so forth. You know who else didn't tell us about the church age? We, Daniel. We studied this. Daniel. Daniel, Daniel, right? Yeah. The 70s and the 70 years and the 70s and the that's 70s. That's right. As soon as Israel's in the broken covenant, that's when he picked back up. Yep, right. It's good stuff, man. Good memory. Nah. Exhortation to repentance, 6 and 7. Always an exhortation to repentance. Every Sunday, every Wednesday night, we have God bring, even the, for the believer and the unbeliever, an exhortation to repentance. The realization that we are a sinner and only God can deliver us from that sin. These chapters are in the form of a conversation. How do you say that word? Colloquy? 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 Okay. But Colloquy? Colloquially? Okay, so y'all don't know either, so I'm safe. All right. No. Between, between Jehovah and his people. We don't know how to pronounce every word out there. Right, right. So the high mark of these pleadings is in Micah 6, 8. So let's go there. Micah 6, 8. Mm, Micah he 6, has 8. told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do what? Justice and to love kindness and to walk how? Humbly with your God. Hmm. So do justice, be, eth be ethical, love goodness and hate wickedness. To love kindness in your mannerisms, always consider the needs of others more important than your own, which leads you to walk humbly with your God, which obviously Israel and Judah were not doing at this particular time because there were all types of things that they are condemned of in this, in this um, prophecy. So God pardons and forgets in Micah 7, 18 and 19. I think I've got that in here. Colton, if you'd like to read that. Yeah. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. How beautiful is that? It is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Sorry, so there are six specific prophecies of Micah have become history. So y'all know what that means, right? He prophesied it before it happened, right? That's why he's called a prophet, because he, he was... God told him about it or informed him about it, and he wrote about it before the event happened. The event happened. He's proven to be what? A true prophet. His writings are then canonized and put in, put in the Hebrew Bible for everyone to read and study to help us understand who God is so we can worship God more, more fully. So the fall of Samaria in 722 B.C., let's look at them. Let's, we've got some time. Let's go to Micah 1, verses 6 and 7. All right. Therefore... Micah chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, I will make Samaria a what? A heap in the open country, a place for planting vineyards, and I will pour down her stones into the valley and uncover her foundations. So in other words, it will be completely destroyed. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. All her wages shall be burned with fire and all her idols I will lay waste, 
For from the fee of a prostitute she gathered them, wow, and to the fee of a prostitute they shall return. You think God hates sin and idolatry? I think so. I think so. The invasion of Judah. All right, let's go jump down the same chapter, verses 9 here through 16. Cloten, why don't you read that for us, brother? Yeah. For her wound is incurable, and it has come to Judah. It has reached to the gate of my people, to Jerusalem. Tell it not in Gath. Weep not at all in Bethlehephra. Am I saying that right? Bethlehephra. Yeah, I mean, Roll your, your, your guess is going to be as good as ours. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Roll yourselves in the dust. Pass on your way, inhabitants of uh, Shaphir, in nakedness and shame. The inhabitants of Zanan, do not come out. The lamentation of Beth Ezel shall, uh, shall take away from you its standing place. For the inhabitants of Morath uh, wait anxiously for good, because disaster has come down from the Lord to the gate of Jerusalem. Harness the steeds to the chariots, inhabitants of Lachish. Uh, it was the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion, for in, uh, for in you were found the transgressions of Israel. Therefore you shall give parting gifts to uh, Mor- Morasheth Gath. Sorry, guys. Uh, the houses of Akzib? Yeah. Akzib? Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, look, if you've got a better pronunciation, just throw it my way, okay? Uh, shall, be deceitful, shall be a deceitful thing to the kings of Israel. Uh, I will again uh, bring a conqueror to you, inhabitants of Morishah. The glory of, Is- uh, of Israel shall come to Ad- Adullam. Adullam. Mm-hmm. Make yourself bald and cut off your hair for the children of your delight. Make yourselves as bald as the eagle, for they shall go from, y- from you into exile. Mm. So even the children are going to go into exile. Yeah. Yeah. That cuts to the heart, man. It does. Because you, know, you love your children. Oh, yes. Yes, you can't stand to think about anything bad happening to them. I know, man. The fall of Jerusalem, uh, 586 B.C., Micah chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins. There's that word again, a heap of ruins in the mountain of the house, a wooden height. Wow, and then 7.13. But the earth will be desolate because of its inhabitants for the fruit of their deeds. Wow. Captivity in Babylon, Micah 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor, for now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to where? Babylon, there you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Return from captivity, Micah 4, 1 through 8. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. It shall be lifted up above the hills and people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, we've read this already, we'll go ahead and finish it. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide for strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, 
and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God, but we all walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted, and the lame I will make uh, the remnant and those who were cast off a strong nation, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth forever and ever. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, the former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. That is some beautiful poetry, my friends. So good. All right, and then the birth of of, uh, Jesus in Bethlehem, we'll read that. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, because it was a very, very small city, if we remember that from history. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient of days. And if I remember correctly, um, I think our study that we did a couple of years ago yeah. on prophecies, uh, House of Bread, Bethlehem is called House of Bread. Yep. And the bread of life came from the house of the bread. And, and I think you drew a comparison between most people thought that, that, the, that the Messiah would come through the Levitical line, through the city of Jerusalem, and through the temple structure. Right. But he actually came, was prophesied and came through Bethlehem, yeah. through the tribe of Judah, from a small city. Yep. That's a good teaching. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Glad you remember. Hey, good yeah. memory, man. <laughs> All right, so how much do you remember? Before we do this, uh, it's 647, we've got a few more minutes. Is there something, is there a scripture in the book of Micah that, that struck you that you would like to, uh, to read tonight? I had a, there, there's a couple that, that I found in here. There's one thing uh, for sure I want to point out to you that, that just when I read it, it just hit me and I knew exactly where I'd heard it before. Anybody got something they want to read? Brandon, ring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Just about in every prophecy, that reminder is always brought back to Israel. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. This is the inaugural act of his people. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. Uh, Two places I want to point point to. I think Jack had something. Okay. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting in in, in, uh, Micah 4 1 5 when he talks about turning your pot. Your swords and plowshares. Yeah. In, in, in New York City, at the United Nations, they've extracted the middle of that purse, and, and on the walls engraved, the men shall turn, the, shall turn their swords and plowshares as if man has the ability yeah. to bring peace to the world. Yeah, yeah. And the thing they leave out is that peace is not going to come until Jesus comes back. That's right. Right. So, so they're, they're perverting the word of God by put, put, choosing what they put up there. On that note, driving Nashville, there's a sign uh, about them. Is, I think, it's, is it not the Navy or the military? There's a billboard that says, uh, one nation under us. Really? Wow. We need to go spray paint that sucker. Yeah. Get rid of him, man. Good God. grief. I, I know, man. Oh, I know. We wor- a lot of people worship ourselves and worship our country. It's wrong. Yeah, no. Well, I've got, there's two things. If anybody else wants to go, Jim, do you want to say something? You're scratching your nose. I'm sorry. All right. That's what you were doing. I'm sorry. It looked like you were raising <laughs> hey, your hand. You were scratching his nose. I'm hey, sorry. Hey, hey. Now, now, you know me. I, I'm just, I'm one of these guys that, all, that always picks out just something just hard from the scripture because 
I am such an obstinate, I mean, I was, before I came to God, I'm, I was so obstinate and hard-headed and just immovable. So, the, so the, the hard stuff in scripture, a lot of times is what speaks to me the most deeply. Well, if you look at chapter three, uh, the ESV, what I love about the ESV is it gives you headings for each one of the, the, like the themes of the prophecy. And in this one, it's the rulers and the prophets that are denounced. You know, we talk all the time about, about uh, how important leadership is, ethical leadership, godly leadership, humble leadership, yeah. uh, collaborative leadership, right. leadership that doesn't dominate, but, but that considers others more important than their own, that leads out of love and not, not domination. Well, here in this chapter is, and I said, here you heads of Jacob. So that would be the leaders, right? Yeah. Heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? In other words, you are the one that should know justice, right? You should be the leaders of justice. You who hate the good and love evil. Now listen to this graphic, and I am talking graphic description of how God sees godless leaders who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil yeah i read that and that stopped me in my tracks reading this prophecy right all right the other one incredible the other one you know i was just going to say on top of that real quick i I, you know i think you see that and i think what you see all throughout the prophet the prophets all of them god calls for justice from his leaders (laughs) from his people but but specifically from his leaders and you know you see these leaders taking advantage of their role and i think there's another there is another prophecy in, in the book of micah where he says they open their mouths i, I think it's right here in chapter 3 and um, i could look for it but they open their mouths to be fed um, you know w- when they when they are fed it's peace but when they open their mouths to be fed and nothing's put in it's war uh, for them uh, hence war yeah, I remember against their that. people um, and, and so their scales are imbalanced, right? They're unjustly, uh, you, know, di- uh, you know, misweighing the scales in their favor, mm-hmm. tipping the scales in their favor so that they get the, the, the greater allotment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and in these ways, they're completely robbing from even the poor um, and, you know, um, totally taking advantage of the poor. Uh, and it's just sad. Uh, and, and certainly I think so this language of you're, you're gobbling up the people is right, you're taking right, anything away right. from them that would allow them to live appropriately. Right, it's like Ezekiel, the, 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 the shepherds the, that, that eat their own people, they eat their right. own sheep. You know, it's, it's, a graphic, it's a graphic description, but it is exactly what's what happening. What they're doing. I mean, right. Yeah. All right, go, go to this one right quick, and then we'll, uh, then we'll, if anybody else has something to say, we'll go, we'll go to prayer. But, but I, 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 when I read this, one of my favorite parts in, in Matthew, I will never forget when I found it reading through it the first time, and it just, it just, just one of those things just grabbed me. But in Micah chapter 7, if you go down to verse 5, all right, 
put no trust in a neighbor, have no confidence in a friend, guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. All right, now put your ribbon or whatever in there that you want to do and then go over to Matthew 10. Now, what's amazing to me is, though, is that, that if you look in the annotations or in the footnotes, neither one of these point, point right, exactly, uh, Jim, neither one of these cite, cite the other, but, but this has to be, Jesus has to be quoting Micah here. So if you go to Matthew 10, verse 34, and go down to verse um, 35, or just start at 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemy will be what? Those of his own household. Flip back to Micah. The son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his what? Own house. Same exact theological point was made by Micah is made by Christ. And I, same covenant, same covenant of God. Yes, sir. Uh, I, mean, I, I come to the realization that, that Jesus never said anything that wasn't in the Old Testament. Pretty, I mean, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah. Everything he said was the Old Testament. He only made one new commandment, and that was right before he died. He said, "A new commandment I give you: right, love each other." I love you, not as your neighbor does, but as, as you love your neighbor, but as I have loved you. Yeah, that's good. That's good, Jim. All right, any um, other comments? Yes. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, right, literally right after that, yeah. uh, you see in verse 6 and then in verse 7, he's saying, you know, you can't trust your, you know, mother-in-law will be against daughter-in-law or daughter-in-law against mother-in-law uh, and these type of things. And a, a man's enemies will be in his own household. And then you get to verse 7 and it says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And then he keeps going, and I love this, just in 8 and 9. Re rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my, uh, my cause and ex executes judgment for me. He will bring me out uh, to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. I just think those are beautiful verses. And, and, mm -hmm. and it's really Micah here saying, my vindication, my salvation, I'm not going to depend on these other sources. My salvation is going to be the Lord, um, and he will be my vindication in my light, uh, which I just, I love. Yeah, excellent. All right, so how much do you remember? Y'all ready? You ready for the question? Now, these questions are going to go all the way back to, uh, to Obadiah and to Jonah. So do y'all remember last week? No. I bet Stephen Barnett does. Do you remember he, what you ate Stephen, for lunch? Look at him. He's leaned forward in his seat. I mean, he's ready to he's answer ready, these man. questions. All right, the Edomites came from Esau. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, you can't play anymore, okay? Okay. Did Edom perish? Raise your hand. Did Edom perish as a nation? Raise your hand. I think I saw Deanna first. Yes, you are correct. Boom. What names were given to Edom's capital? Aha. 
very good, Vi. Outstanding. Is the book of Jonah literal? Raise your hand. Yes, Mark, you were first. No, what? No, he said yes, I'm just kidding. He said yes, he said yes. It was an authoritative yes. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Why did Jonah flee? Raise your hand, please. No, Mark, you can't play. Jim, you hadn't played yet. There you go, that's right. He hated (laughs) Nineveh. Okay, what does Jonah signify according to the words of Jesus? Raise your hand, please. Nope, Brandon. Nope, Vi, you've already played, you've won. Somebody that hadn't played yet. Come on, somebody that hadn't played yet. Someone that hadn't played yet. Okay, Brandon. What? What does Jonah signify according to the words of Jesus? Is that right? I don't think, I don't think that's no. right, man. It's okay. It's okay. That's right. We love you. We love you. You can't preach. You just, you just, you're, you're, you can't, you're done. <laughs> we don't hand <laughs> out blue ribbons. <laughs> okay, <kidding>, man. <laughs> But he's, yes, the resurrection. Three days and three nights. And the right. right. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. You're right. Burial and resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely threw us for a loop, though, because it's like, he that did. was not what we were expecting. He had me, man. I didn't know. All right. <laughs> yes. There it is. Okay. There it is. That's yeah. just, is, Cherish, am I crazy? Did he say that? He didn't say that, did he? She, he okay. He, look, hey, she's not. You she's have to agree with Brandon. us, Cherish. You have to agree with us. All right. Finally, Micah is best remembered for what prophecy? If you miss this, I'm going to kill you. What? Yes, Bethlehem. Very good, very good. Okay. All right, prayer. Let's see here. Uh, does anybody have a request? Let's do that first. Yes, Mark. What time, 10.30? Okay, Mark, our beloved Mark, is having a back procedure at the VA tomorrow at 10.30, and he needs your prayers. Anybody else? Yes, Elaine. Okay, Elaine, niece, family, All right, anybody else? Jack. Yeah, I want to put my brother-in-law, Robert Jones. Uh, he, my sister had cancer, if you, if you remember, a few months back. But Robert, has, they found a, a mass on his liver and on his spine, and they don't, they're still trying to determine how serious it is. I just want to remember him. And Robert is kin to you how? He's my brother-in-law. Brother-in-law, okay. All right, anybody else? Okay. Um, uh, Sid Sid Salmons is having a mitral valve clipped next Wednesday. Uh, And I don't know what hospital. Where? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, okay. So remember uh, remember Sid next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. Uh, Please remember... Uh, Stephen's brother, John Barnett, and the passing of Pam recently. 
Uh, Agnes Noble is recovering from a, a, a fall at her home. Uh, Betty Thompson, did everybody get the email about Betty today from, um, from Rob, okay? If you didn't, when you get home, it should be there. I think it was sent out later today, I think. Let's see. Um, Jim Wilson, a friend of Denise Cook's, has ha is, is got cancer, and he is having a trial that is either in the trial or beginning a trial, and it's very important. Uh, this, just, this could, it's a critical time for him, so please remember him. Uh, Joyce Coleman is recovering at home. The, the medication for the, for the heart rhythm, I think, is, is working, is what um, Robin had told me. Uh, Marty Luffman, I'm getting positive uh, things about, about Marty. I'm, I'm hoping to get a more in-depth report tomorrow and email you about what's going on there. Uh, remember Yvonne Chambers, she's having back surgery on May the 6th. Um, Priscilla West, I think we, we talked about this at the beginning of Bible study. Priscilla West passed today, so she is with the Lord Jesus, and we can celebrate that because I know the poor sister was in a lot of pain for a long, long time. So she will be reunited with her mama. And uh, then we also got a, a late request uh, this evening, Irva Asiala, that is um, Phil Asiala's mother, I believe was at the ER and they discovered some blood pressure issues, so they're dealing with that uh, this evening. So they wanted your, wanted your prayers. And I believe, have I missed anything? Yes. Yeah, I have an MRI tomorrow, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Just a grasping process. <laughs> no big deal, okay. Can I take it for you? Can I have it to the you, Ken, or? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Can you lead us tonight, brother? I certainly can. You need, you need, you get, did you get everything down? I did. I was like scribbling all over my... Okay, fantastic. Yeah. All right. I just hadn't heard you pray. <laughs> I think I prayed the past two Wednesday nights. So I want to hear you pray yeah, tonight. Man. Let's all do right. it. All right. Let's do it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you uh, always, as always, for these Wednesday nights where we get to come together and, um, Lord, we get to dive, dive deep into the Word. Um, Lord, I hope and I know that this has been just such a benefit um, to all of those who have stuck it in and stayed uh, through the long haul, through the Old Testament, studying it. And um, certainly uh, one of the advantages, it was really in some ways was a blessing when we were at home with COVID, God, um, you know, just going through that season. Uh, Shelby and Clayton and myself were able to go even a little deeper in some of those books. And, um, and I know that we had just such a great following and viewing of those things and those videos and uh, Lord, we, we just, we desperately want to be a people that is governed and led by your word. Mm -hmm. um, Lord, we just, we want it to uh, continue to change and transform our hearts uh, through your, the powerful working of your Holy Spirit working in us, uh, Lord, and helping us understand the text and grow in it. Lord, uh, you truly are, are our only hope for change and again, to understand what your word says and how to apply it to our lives. And Lord, I do thank you for uh, this great charge that you have entrusted um, to the stewardship that you've entrusted to Shelby and to Clayton and to myself to teach your word, oh God. And, and we are, are by no means perfect. And I thank you that you use imperfect men 
um, to teach your word and to preach your word, oh God. And again, I so thank you for the congregation that faithfully uh, just gobbles up and eats and, and, and just takes refreshment from your word. And Lord, I, I, so I pray that we truly will be a church driven by uh, your word, oh God. Uh, and I know that we will be blessed in what we do, even if it all, doesn't always seem that way, because uh, your thoughts are way higher than ours. Uh, Lord, there are so many prayer requests uh, that have been mentioned. God, I, I think about Priscilla, our dear sister, uh, who has trusted in you and loves you and is now seeing you face to face. And Lord, what, mm. what greater joy could there be? She has exchanged ex extreme pain and frustration, Father, uh, to, to, to go on to glory and to be with you. Lord, I know that we are going to mourn and weep the loss of our dear sister um, who we love and who we've done life with. And certainly it's a good thing to mourn those that we loved and, we, and we've lost. But she has gained, Lord. She has gained. Mm -hmm. and, and we need to rejoice in that too. Help us to rejoice in that as well. I pray, oh God. I pray that, that, that she would be a reminder to us that we're just journeying through this life, Father. This is not our home. This place is not our home. And so often, please forgive me, Lord, when I treat this place like my home. Lord, we have a great and grand home awaiting us one day. And I pray that we would live this life, Lord, to, to the utmost for your glory <clears throat> in this time that you've given us, this short dash between two dates that you've given us, Father. I pray that we would steward it well, O oh God, and we would take the talents and we wouldn't bury them in the dirt, O oh Lord, and do nothing with them, but that we would work uh, and labor in your fields that are ripe for harvest, O oh God. And please send workers into your field, Lord. There, there are so many lost people who are lost and dying and going to hell, Lord, that are not having the experience that Priscilla has had. And Lord, I just pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us to, to, to go out into the fields and to do the good work. Lord, um, I do pray for Sid as he has this procedure coming up. Would you protect his heart, Lord? And literally, I mean, Lord God, would you, would you give him peace um, as he goes into this operation? No operation is, a, is just a, a simple operation when you're talking about cutting a body open, Lord. And so I pray for him. Would you give him peace uh, that surpasses all understanding as he's thinking about going and having this procedure? We, we thank you for our dear sister Joyce and that this medication is working, Lord. I pray that it would continue to work and keep her heart in rhythm uh, so that they can be back here with us. Uh, we miss them, and, and certainly, Lord, we want them to be back here uh, with us, oh God. Uh, Lord, please be with Irva and her issues, her health issues she has going on right now. Would you bless her? Would you keep her? Would you protect her, oh God, and, and Phil and Kim as well? Would you help them to minister to her so that she feels uh, loved and cared for, but ultimately that she would set her eyes on you and place her hope in you constantly? Uh, Lord, again, I thank you for everyone who came tonight. You know all the other prayer requests, and I pray that you would be with them, God, and you know them uh, in and out far better than we do. Uh, but I pray that you would bless them, keep them, strengthen them, Lord. Uh, and certainly help us to all get home safely uh, and come back here on Sunday ready to worship and to praise your glorious name. Lord, it's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody out Good there. Night, Good night, guys. See you, see you Sunday, Lord willing.